You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. Well, hey, Gospel Hope family. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Reconciling Hope Podcast. And uh, hey, this episode is a little bit different than normal because normally um, Rod or I will have preached and we'll kind of interview one another and, and talk about it. But this week, if you were able to gather with us in person or online, um, you know that Rod and I preached together. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, go on out, take a listen to that. Um, and then this confirmation will make a little bit more sense. But uh, Rod, you and I were just talking offline uh, about this idea of how do we pull that off? Um, some people came up to us after the sermon. We just were like, man, we didn't know what was going to happen, but most people yeah. said they liked it. Um, right. We were just having a conversation about that. So what do you think were some of the important details that went into making this sermon series a reality? Yeah, I think one of them, well, one, you know, obviously, you know, give glory to God as he creates unity of hearts and, the, you know, and the power of his spirit to, to, to help us to do that. Uh, and then that's a spiritual piece. But then the practical piece is, you know, we've been growing in the gospel together as pastors mm -hmm. off script, offline, in the van, on the way up to Nam. Uh, you know, various conversations as we work through things. And we see God's grace at work within each other's lives. And when we've been a part of God's grace in each other's lives, it's just the way that we sharpen each other. Our ability to, I guess, sit or stand in front of the people and preach his word together is really the outcome of just kind of some behind the scenes work. It's not necessarily like a, a beautiful script or a play that has been written for both of us. Uh, it really is. We just kind of know each other so much better today through the lens of the gospel and through life itself. Um, because we've just been chopping wood together. I can't think of a better, you know, a better, you know, better way to, to express that. So I, I think that's been one of the crucial pieces for me. We become, we become not just better preachers together. We become better brothers. Mm. And so it just allows us to, um, have one another's back or to whatever, like, as a matter of fact, there was a moment in the message where there was something that I missed and you kind of got the rebound and passed it back to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and it was the transaction was probably completely invisible to the mm -hmm. congregation. But you know me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and likewise, I know you. And that knowing has really been crafted through the gospel. You know, not yeah. because we grew up as childhood buddies. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, we 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 are both, I think, firm believers in team and uh, working together. So the vision and mission of Gospel Hope, it may, you know, some initiative may originate with one or the other of us, but nevertheless, we try to build consensus together and work together. What, what many of the folks at the church might not know is like probably two or three times a week, we're on the phone or via Zoom or together in person having like pretty significant ministry shaping philosophical conversations and so man right. i appreciate you brother and uh, grateful that the lord has helped us to to lord willing disciple one another and help both of us grow in our relationship with god with one another and with the world so man that was a joy to do i look forward to this coming week and, and giving it a spin again absolutely so let let's uh let's jump in uh, to the message a little bit and and talk about some of the things that that stood out to us. So 
I guess I'll I'll, uh, I'll kick us off here. Uh, mm-hmm. Rod, you were just asking me a question a few minutes ago about the gospel's uh, transforming power. You want to you want to ask that question a little bit? How you were talking about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the question that I would ask as I was listening to the message is, well, why do I need to be transformed? Mm, yeah. Why, why does the kind of unity that we believe our country needs? Why is transformation necessary? Why can't we just, you know, do right, do better? change our behavior or whatever? Like, why do I need to be transformed? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Sometimes I, I think of, we think of sin as just a transaction. You know, in other words, it's just something that we do. Um, but sin is more than our activities. In other words, it's a poison that goes deeper down into us than just impacting our behavior. Like I do bad things, but really I have a good heart. Um, no, the reality is, is when Adam and Eve fell and the human race was plunged into sin, all that happened was they begat little sinners. And for generations and generations, you know, mm-hmm. our children come out as sinners. We are all sinners by birth, by nature. And so sin right. is not only what we do, it is in one sense who we are apart from the grace of God. And so yeah. we're bent, we're selfish, we're proud. We're tribalistic and um, just simple rules and laws outside of us are not sufficient to make us want and love the right things. In, in fact, um, in the Bible, God God compares the Mosaic law, the, the old covenant with the new covenant. And he says, hey, there's coming a day when I'm not just going to write laws on a ta- tablet of stone that is outside of you. Right. But there's coming a day when I'm going to write the law on your very hearts. Right. You need change deeper than just new roles, rules. So that's why I would say we need transformation because anything external to us just doesn't go deep enough. Um, right. Right. Which kind of leads to a point that you brought up in the message about the empowering power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, that So when Paul urged Onesimus to go back to Philemon, he was essentially asking Philemon, hey, take it on the chin a bit here. Like take one for the yeah. team and right. receive this guy, no matter what has transpired before you. How, yeah. how does the gospel enable us to respond in godly ways, even when we've been wronged? Yeah, I, I, one, the, the constant example of Jesus not just being a historic example, but being a real personal example that we benefited from, uh, of him taking it on the chin when he had every right to not to, right? Like, you know, in our country today, one of the biggest disadvantages we have to living in unity is a hyper-focus on what I personally have the right to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when we look at Jesus, he had the right to not go to the cross, the right to not stay there, the right to not shoulder our sins. He had the right to do that. But Jesus put that aside. So we see in Jesus a historic model, an ongoing pattern. But then beyond that, well, okay, well, just reading it in a history book will be awesome. Well, reading it in the pages of the Bible will be awesome. But God actually gives us the power to act that out and not just superficially as if we were in a play, but mm-hmm. it really become a life ethic where I recognize that there are times when I, I am I am rightfully the one who was wronged, 
but I can still move toward my brother or sister or even the person that has done me wrong, move toward them with love and not just look the other way, look directly at what was done wrong and still treat that person differently. That just requires the power of God, yeah. not what your mind tells you in this current culture is that you're being a doormat, hmm. right? You're not standing up for yourself. And so, you know, our intuitive nature, that it's it, that's almost counterintuitive to how we are, and it's countercultural to the messages that we receive to, um, to forgive and to um, move toward others in that kind of way when we have the right to do a whole host of other things. I, I think it takes power. I think it takes real power, not just grit, but real power that comes from somebody other than ourselves. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, you know, one of our burdens when we share God's word at Gospel Hope is to consistently in some way engage with our culture to say, hey, here's how mm -hmm. God's word impacts the moment that we find ourselves in right now. And uh, we, we tackled some, um, I would say, some some very relevant issues on Sunday in this matter of reconciliation and division and relationships. Um, wh what what are some cultural kind of pressure points that, that you felt were dealt with as we talk through this topic? Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just shoot real straight. The new narrative concerning Christianity right now that's spilling out of the culture is that the Bible and Christianity as a whole is the religion of the white man or the religion of the colonizer. It's just, that's the narrative you cannot escape. And at the center of that false narrative is a belief that the Bible validated slavery, but I'm not. But you need to, the 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 real the truth of the matter is the Bible was used inappropriately to validate slavery, and so we spent yeah. a good deal of time unpacking how the Bible consistently affirms that you know we are made in the image of God. That predates the Constitution. We're made in the image of God. Jesus Christ dies on the cross for us, and the cost of a human being of every. That's what it costs a human being. Nobody costs any more or any less than anyone else. But I think another uh, significant cultural moment there is, you know, if you see the momentum and the movement of the gospel, Jesus is always operating counterculturally, engaging with others that the culture didn't think he should hang out with, women, lepers, uh, Gentiles, etc. So we know that the gospel has always painted a picture of moving toward others that were unlike ourselves in the name of glorifying God and, and reconciliation. So, so I think, um, you know, just kind of that whole address of, 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 again, slavery and reconciliation, noting that um, the kind of involuntary, totally barbaric and insensitive and indefinite um, bondage that took place in America is in no way compatible with what we see in the Bible. And the Lord has done us an incredible favor and given us the whole book of Philemon, or Philemon, <laughs> uh, uh -huh. <laughs> if you want to talk about that later, um, to show us that the Bible is addressing this topic head on and show you how powerful the Bible is as a document that drives or a book that drives us toward reconciliation is that slave masters in America had to actually create a slave Bible because as black people were learning to read, it was obvious that liberation and reconciliation were obvious themes. And so whole books, it had to be removed because the Bible is just littered with those themes. Mm -hmm. So it is the way the Bible is inappropriately used, but not the intrinsic uh, doctrine itself, you know, of the Bible 
that is responsible for that grossness that we saw um, carried out uh, here in America. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, but so let me say so same question for you. Um, you can interact with that. What I just said, but same question for you. Was there a particular cultural moment that you were focused on, and as you were kind of working through uh, some of the material? Yeah. Um, I think that um, what really struck me as I was preparing that message and reading through uh, Philemon um, was was the idea of how hopeful Paul was. I mean, mm-hmm. he just expected this to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Paul was some sort of Pollyanna, you know, like he, he didn't have his feet firmly rooted in reality. I mean, Paul was a man who suffered greatly, but in this situation, he was like, Man, I'm super hopeful about the future. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's so important now because so many people are feeling hopeless. Like yeah. there is no way where we can move beyond this. There is no way where um, things can get better or improve or real unity and reconciliation can occur. And I think I would agree apart from the grace of God. Yet uh, Paul uh, was hopeful because the gospel is is really powerful and so i don't know that that filled me with a renewed sense of hope like oh if we preach christ and really let the gospel work its way down into the edges and the rifts and the tensions that we're feeling it really does have transformative empowering unifying power that can um that can really enable us to have hope in a seemingly hopeless situation yeah um you, you, um, you, you, when you say that, you kind of almost raise a point of potential confession and repentance for me. I think in a previous podcast, I may have mentioned or pointed to the fact that coming up, you know, following the election, that the rift and the division in our country will become even more disastrous than ever because yeah. somebody, some community of people is going to be grossly disappointed, mm-hmm. you know based on who wins or who will not. And then when I say that, I'm like, you know what, that's the language of the hopeless. Mm. You know, I gotta believe that my God is in control and that providentially, not just providentially, but the gospel and the church doing its job and uh, and by God's grace, that regardless of who's win, who, who wins, that there is, uh, that the climate is ripe for God's grace to be at work through his people and that real reconciliation is possible regardless of how divisive the backdrop is. And, uh, you know, I think you and I as stewards of the gospel who've been entrusted with it know that, uh, you know, the gospel shines most brightly against the bleakest backdrop. That's right. And so, so, you know, man, the, the, what an opportune time to see the gospel in the forefront as the, you know, pandemic protests and politics uh, provide us with this extremely dark contrast. Yeah. we should almost be uh, not masochistic about it, but almost kind of like leaping with anticipation, like we're watching a great movie, like, God, how are you going to work this one out? You know? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it, there is hope. And, and Paul, as you said, I, I was thinking about that, he experienced a lot of jeopardy. He isn't coming from some extremely high, untarnished background where he's never experienced any difficulty. And for him to be hopeful, that hope isn't coming from the circumstances. He's and he's yeah. yeah. So he met Onesimus in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this season is is fraught yeah. with challenges. But 
man, I, like you said, it, it presents a tremendous opportunity as well for the people of God to really show the power of the gospel um, yeah. by, by the way we treat other people, um, right. especially those who disagree with us. Yeah. Um, so our, our mission at Gospel Hope is to be growing in three relationships, mm-hmm. God, one another, and the world. Yeah. Uh, Rod, as we work through this, what of those relationships were you thinking about? You know, it's funny. Uh, it, so it was. So if you if you look at Paul's call to Philemon to receive his brother, you obviously see not glimpses, but the direct uh, implication that we should be growing in our relationship with our fellow man, right? Mm-hmm. Growing our relationship with one another is one of the outcomes of the gospel. But I believe it was, it may have been you who also pointed out that, hey, but without the, tr- the, the vertical transformation, like unless we're looking up, unless we're growing in our relationship with God, horizontal transformation, I mean, horizontal growth isn't possible, right? Mm-hmm. It'll, be on po- we'll, we'll, it'll be in our own strength or based on policies. And so that was one that I couldn't escape from when I just looked at the tension between Onesimus and Philemon. Mm-hmm. I know, what about you? Yeah, I, I think also your your closing illustration there was was powerful about um, you and members of your community group who were radically different from you serving at the domestic violence safe house, where when that horizontal relationship was right, um, it produced an outward relationship, meaning the world unbelievers stood up and and kind of took notice and were like, oh. Look at this. These people are united by something. So I think, as always, all three of those relationships are, are closely intertwined. And uh, we need to understand that, you know, when we are reconciled to God vertically, it it spills over into horizontal reconciliation with our brothers. And then there's a further step by this. will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So there is a externally outward focus to our inward relationships, intrinsically outward focus to our inward relationships. Right. Right. Oh, hey, man. Um, man, so anyway, I mean, so this has been a, been a great conversation. Is there anything else that you can man, think about that, that we want to have people to hear us talk about? Yeah. I mean, we, we usually conclude by talking about how this passage displays a reconciling hope of the gospel. And obviously, it's kind of littered through the whole thing. But I want to highlight one thing as we kind of round out. Yeah. It's that Paul was willing to step into this relationship to be a mediator and yeah. pay the price for doing so. Yeah. Um, we're going to unpack that in some detail this coming week. But man, what a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ that was for us, where where Jesus seeing the breach that existed between God and man stepped into that breach, paid the price so that relationship could be made right. And uh, man, we need to be that type of people who follow the heart of the Lord Jesus, who are, who are willing to step into difficult situations because we believe that reconciliation is good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worth the sacrifice. So I'm looking forward to kind of looking at the text through this lens this week and and seeing what the Lord kind of reveals to us as we as we think through how we can be bridge builders for the gospel. Right. Right. It's awesome. That is the exact word I was thinking. Are you what are you doing? Are you looking at my notes? Uh, yes. Yes. I, I am, in fact, this week, but yeah. not normally. But. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, 
Well, hey, Gospel Hope, thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, man, if you didn't get to join us this Sunday for Reconciled, our series through Philemon, we hope you can tune in this coming week as Rod and I talk about being bridge builders for the gospel. So hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.